Yes, I'm going to say it. We would all be better off if more people thought like economists. And I mean the good economists, not the lousy ones. Hey friends, welcome to the Press Club C Podcast. I'm Ray Keating. In this 83rd episode, we're going to talk about thinking more like an economist, particularly in light of my new book, The Weekly Economist, 52 Quick Reads to Help You Think Like an Economist. But before we get into this, let's quickly answer that key question once again. What the heck is the Press Club C anyway? Each letter stands for stuff we talk about. P is for politics. R is for religion, mainly Christianity. E is for economics, hence the topic today. S is for sports. That second S is for stories, books, and writing. Again, the topic today. My own books, other books, fiction, nonfiction. C is for culture, pop culture and otherwise. L is for life, the big catch-all. U is for understanding, lessons in history. Yep, economics. <laughs> uh, B is for business and entrepreneurship. And that last C in the press club, C is for conservative. Why? Because I am one. And since we have to make it very clear what kind of conservative we are these days, I am not a Trump conservative. I am a Reagan, Kemp, Buckley, Coolidge, Lincoln, Madisonian kind of conservative. Now, before we get to my new nonfiction book, um, I hope you'll consider pre-ordering my latest and forthcoming work of fiction. Um, if you enjoy the Pastor Stephen Grant novels, uh, then you're going to love Cathedral and Alliance of St. Michael novel. This is my 16th work of fiction. Holy cow. And the first in the Alliance of St. Michael series. Yes, I plan to turn this into a series. Uh, and this Alliance of St. Michael brings together men and women with varied backgrounds and talents to work covertly against the two most significant threats to Christianity and civilization at the dawn of the 1930s. That's right, we're talking historical fiction here. And those would be, those ills would be communism and fascism. Now, in this book, in, in Moscow, the Cathedral of Christ the Savior is going to be obliterated to make way for the Palace of the Soviets. That's real stuff, by the way, folks. That's from history. The Alliance of St. Michael readies itself for its mission, find and salvage a rare item of great significance from the cathedral before the building is lost. Uh, there are two great ways you can pre-order Cathedral. Uh, my voice went very high there. <laughs> you sign books at raykeatingonline.com, and you can pre-order the Kindle edition of Cathedral, an Alliance of St. Michael novel, over at Amazon.com, and I really do appreciate the consideration. So let's get to thinking, let's get to thinking like an economist, and that means my new nonfiction book, boy, this is a lot of plugs here today, The Weekly Economist, 52 Quick Reads to Help You Think Like an Economist. Now, so why did I write this? Well, if you, if you don't have, as I say in the description of the book, at various places, if you don't have a degree in economics, and sometimes even if you do, um, how do you figure out what actually makes economic sense and what doesn't. Um, and this mainly goes for people that are not really familiar with economics or they desperately need a refresher. You know, maybe they took an economics course back in high school or college and it's long forgotten. So, but you know, whether you're, you're, you're sitting there watching CNBC or CNN or Fox news, or you're, you're scooting around the internet, um, there are all sorts of assertions regarding the economy and economic policy. Um, and, and yet you know, people present so many different views. You have to wonder, you know, what's accurate, what's not. Um, 
That's especially the case when you, you get those debate segments, right? You hop over to one of these channels and it's like, hey, we've got economist A who's saying this and we've got economist B who's directly um, contradicting what economist A says, right? So and the other part of that and with, with a lot of economic issues, there's politics, right? Politics infests everything these days. It has long infested and distorted economics, perverted sound economic thinking, especially on policy matters. And, you know, we can see this today. Um, and in recent times, the Biden administration tries to <clears throat> present certain views on tax taxes, for example, and regulations that just don't line up with economic reality. Uh, president Biden and, and the previous president, President Trump, did that on uh, on trade, government spending, uh, antitrust regulation. Uh, you know, we, we think about how different supposedly these two men are, and they are in terms of the way they handle themselves and all. Uh, and they are on, on a whole host of issues, but on things like trade, government spending, antitrust regulation, they're very much the same, and they were off uh, off base in terms of the economics. So the list goes on and on, right? It's not just these two gentlemen that happen to be president most recently. So, you know, the Weekly Economist um, offers some quick reads on topics that are essential to uh, thinking clearly on economics and applying sound economic principles uh, to hot topics. Um, and this matters, right? I would argue it matters. It's, And I hope that individuals... And you literally, by just taking a few minutes for a quick read each week, and that's why it's titled The Weekly Economist. This is not a great burden, um, and hopefully it's enjoyable reading. But if you do that, you know, just a few minutes each week, you can clarify your thinking on economics. Uh, and there, I would argue, thereby improve your own, li your own life, your the lives of family, friends, colleagues, neighbors. Um, you know, if you, if you carry sound economics into the voting booth and, and so on, you can affect others across the nation and around the world. So, um, you know, when you crack this open, I, you know, I touch on some of these topics in the introduction and, um, but you know, it, it, it's important to keep in mind as I, as I write in this introduction, you know, the economy constantly is changing, but, you know, how the economy actually works, you know, the fundamental principles, the institutions, they tend to change very little. Um, so that's important to keep in mind. And I, I think I communicate that through various topics here, but you know, it's, it's frustrating when even economists fall prey to this. You know, I can't tell you how many times, as I say in this introduction, how many times I've heard people say this change in the economy has altered how we should think about the economy. And it's like, no, um, that, that's not abandoning sound economic thinking, um, is not a good idea. Um, perhaps, you know, you're learning things, perhaps you didn't have the, the, you know, you're thinking straight in the first place. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the principles, the theories, the foundations of economics, um, change very little. So this book is meant to <clears throat> take those basic principles and apply them uh, to a whole host of, of issues from, you know, issues that you might 
have an economics class, and, and it's important to understand them now to, you know, various hot topics and stuff. So, you know, let me just note a few of the of the things that we hit on in this, that I hit on in this book, right? Um, you know, it goes for basics, like what is GDP? What is gross domestic product? What is scarcity? You hear economists talking about that. Um, profits. Are profits evil? Most people seem to assume that. They aren't. Um, uh, what's the role of prices in the economy? What is, um, you know, people fall into traps on a whole host of issues because they think the economy is a zero-sum game. I'll explain it's not. Um, Karl Marx, the Mark, you know, uh, Marxist thinking has infiltrated so much of the way people talk about uh, how the economy works that, you know, it's, it's the workers versus the owners. And that's definitely not the case. Owners and labor should be working and do work together. Uh, they, they, they're nothing without each other. Uh, that's one of the things that I hit on. I talk about incentives and property rights. Um, I explain the difference, you know, what are economic costs and economic profits as opposed to what people normally think of. Um, why does private charity work better than government? Um, you know, what, what's the deal with free trade? Why is that? Why is that a good thing? Is it really wall street versus main street? It's not. Um, and then there, there are other things like, you know, you hear politicians talking about all sorts of silly things when people short stocks. Um, so I get into that, you know, the whole host of topics here in this book that I think are important for people to understand, um, and to, to think of issues in an intelligent way, right? Informed way. Um, talk a lot about the central role of the entrepreneur in the economy and what motivates entrepreneurs. I, I talk about that because the economics profession itself does it, they recognize, they seem to recognize, not all economists, but many economists recognize that the entrepreneur is the central player in economic growth, innovation, and so on. Yet they don't really know what to do with the entrepreneur because they're stuck with these mathematical models and there is no entrepreneur, entrepreneur variable that you can plug in. Um, and that's to the detriment of, of economics, to say the least. Um, you like that horn? That's my Viking horn that's going off in the background uh, as messages come in on my phone because I didn't shut my phone off before I started this, but I am a Minnesota Vikings fan. Anyway, um, then, you know, some hot topics. Well, understanding what is income based on in the economy? Why is there inequality of incomes? Uh, why does, you know, I, th this one essay is titled, I have a series of essays talking about what people earn. And the question is, why does Mike Trout earn more than teachers? Uh, most people get infuriated by that. Well, I explain the economics of it. We hear, you know, if you, if you remember your economics 101 class, you heard you, you were taught about perfect competition or pure competition. Um, well, I talk a little bit about that and ask the question, is that really a good teaching tool? Um, I would argue it's not. And uh, what you see in, in the policy debates these days is, um, taking this unrealistic model that has nothing to do with how the economy actually works and then justifying all sorts of regulation based on that. Um, what, you know, what are corporations? Why do they exist? Uh, what about the economics of advertising? Advertising gets kicked around a lot by a lot of people. So we t I talk a little bit about that. Um, 
I talk about the supply chain. It's a hot topic, right? What's the, what is the supply chain? Um, anyway, so I talk about that. I ask the question, is economics the dismal science? I argue most certainly no when properly practiced. That's the key there. Um, and of course people will find the last week, week 52 of the weekly economist, uh, perhaps they'll find that title interesting. It just simply says rich people rock. So there's a lot jammed into these, um, you know, 150 pages, give or take, uh, they are quick reads, uh, but hopefully they're going to help people think more clearly on economics. And what I'm going to do in a minute here is read a chapter from the weekly economist. All right. So let's read from the weekly economist. I'm going to read one of the the, one of the uh, chapters, one of the week's readings, I'm going to go to week one, which is titled Greed is Not Good. Um, so one of the things that drives me crazy about people misunderstanding um, what free enterprise, what capitalism is all about, and I think that greed drives it, um, and that's not the case. So I'm always, I always feel a little awkward reading uh, my own work like this, but we're going to give it a shot. So week one from the weekly economist week one, greed is not good. Is greed synonymous with or central to free enterprise? Of course, in Oliver Stone's movie, wall street, Gordon Gecko declared that greed is good to be exact. Gecko proclaimed quote, the point is ladies and gentlemen, that greed for lack of a better word is good. Greed is right. Greed works. Greed clarifies cuts through and captures the essence of the evolutionary spirit. Greed in all of its forms, greed for life, for money, for love, knowledge, has marked the upward surge of mankind, close quote. Was Gordon Gecko right? The answer is no. While we can't see into the hearts and minds of others, we do know what it takes to truly succeed in a free enterprise system. So no matter what an individual's ultimate motivations might be, whether seeking to help others or better their lives, to support a family, to compete, to innovate, to invent, to achieve, or even to buy a bigger yacht. The only path that leads to success in a competitive free enterprise system is to think of others first. That doesn't sound much like greed, does it? Specifically, under free enterprise, one has to meet the needs or demands of others before you can fulfill your own needs and demands before you can achieve your own goals. Think about it. An entrepreneur or a business must first meet existing demands in a competitive setting or create new demands through invention and innovation. The same, of course, goes for employees. A person must produce value for an employer, employer in order to get a paycheck, earn a raise, gain a promotion, or move into the corner office. This is a fundamental difference between free enterprise and other economic systems. For example, a welfare system allows an individual to be compensated for doing nothing. There is no need to think about what others might want or need or how to provide them value or benefits. Meanwhile, socialism requires little or nothing of value from individuals. Rather, the government takes ownership of the means of production and allocates resources based on political preferences. To get ahead under socialism requires the ability to navigate politics. Hence, 
Socialist economies and welfare states naturally stagnate and suffer economic decline. After all, few, if any, incentives exist under such systems to use resources wisely or to undertake the hard work, the risk-taking, and the challenges of uncertainty necessary to create new and improved products. In reality, the ability to demand or take resources without contributing anything of value aligns quite comfortably with notions of greed, as opposed to the requirement to produce value for others under free enterprise. So greed, in fact, is not good and is not what free enterprise is about in the end. Dare I say it? Yes, I will. Free enterprise is far more about altruism than it is about greed. And that is the end of week one, Greed is Not Good, from the Weekly Economist, 52 Quick Reads to Help You Think Like an Economist. So folks, if you take just a few minutes once a week to read the Weekly Economist, and in a year, you'll be thinking much more like an economist. There are two ways to pre-order to order the Weekly Economist, I should say. Uh, it's out now. Sign books at RayKeatingOnline.com, paperbacks, hardcovers, and Kindle editions over at Amazon.com. Folks, thanks so much for listening. Your feedback and suggestions are always welcome. Please check out my various endeavors and books. Of course, The Weekly Economist. I mentioned the new novel, Cathedral, coming out. The Pastor Stephen Grant novels. All of those. Signed books at RayKeatingOnline.com and paperbacks and Kindle editions, and in some cases, hardcovers, uh, available over at Amazon.com. Um, check out KeatingFiles.com for some essays here and there. Uh, my other nonfiction books, recent nonfiction books, Free Trade Rocks and Behind Enemy Lines, again, at RayKeatingOnline.com and at Amazon.com. Go check out DisneyBizJournal.com for some, a lot of .coms, for some um, essays on related to the Disney entertainment business. That's enough of me. I hope you enjoyed this. I hope you'll read The Weekly Economist. Thanks so much, and God bless.